Hey guys, it's Victoria. Thanks for hitting play on this week's episode of the Branding Business School podcast, where I interview one of my friends, Courtney Garrett. She is an incredible, multi-passionate entrepreneur who has launched several successful businesses. And today we're going to talk about her most recent business, Peace Sprout, which is an online children's boutique where traditional meets trendy, serving children from newborn all the way to eight years old. I am a proud customer of Peace Sprout. I've been buying their clothes for both my kids and have been more than happy with the quality and the service that I've gotten through Peace Brow. Um, but I really wanted to take this time today and talk with Courtney about what really goes into building an online boutique. Because ordering inventory in a post-COVID world is not as easy as maybe it was five years ago. And Courtney shares her honest experience of what she's learned along the way, what she would have done differently, some of her biggest mistakes, and also the things that she and her husband, Chris, feel that they have done really well to build a successful online clothing boutique. Hey, do you feel like your brand lacks influence or authority? Are you constantly looking at what everyone else in your industry is doing and then feeling 10 steps behind? Having a strong brand is the only way to truly charge a premium for what you're selling without constantly trading time for money. When you take the time to build an effective brand, people will feel like they're buying into something and you no longer have to justify your prices to people or worse, lower them to meet somebody else's budget. After five years of owning a design agency that has worked with thousands of women to help them craft their brand, I'm finally sharing what it takes to build a powerhouse brand online. The Branding Business School is opening soon, and inside, you will learn from myself and a handful of other incredible female founders who have leveraged the power of branding to scale their business. Branding is not just about the visuals. It is about how you position yourself in your market to stand out and to become the go-to for your category. Trust me, you do not need an MBA to be the CEO of a successful company. I am living proof of that. I have scaled my company in the last few years amidst having babies and keeping them home with me, and now I'm teaching you how I did it. Join the waitlist for the Branding Business School today and get an exclusive discount code during launch week. Just head to thebrandingbusinessschool.com slash waitlist. This is the Branding Business School podcast, the go-to business and marketing podcast for ambitious women looking to start and scale profitable businesses. Learn from your host, Victoria Marcoulier, how to build a powerhouse brand in this online era without sacrificing your sanity or misplacing your priorities. We support the dreamers and the disruptors and are showing up weekly to teach you practical advice on what it takes to become the go-to in your industry. Operating an online business as a female entrepreneur looks different these days. And thanks to us, so does business school. Welcome to the Branding Business School podcast. Courtney, it is about dang time that I got you on this podcast. I think we tried to do this before you had your baby. And how old is Grady now? She is two and a half. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's how long it's taken us to rain check. Yes. <laughs> our this, podcast episode. this is long overdue and I am thrilled to be here. I feel like any chance that we get to catch up is always a good time. <laughs> yeah. Courtney is my voice memo friend. We just send long voice messages back and forth and I love it. It's how we stay. <laughs> I am like, the exact example of all of the memes that you see where it's like, I'm doing laundry <laughs> while my friend sends me a 10 minute voice message. That's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's okay. Well, Courtney, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, give us a little glimpse into your life, maybe outside of just what you do for work. Okay. So honestly, I feel like most of our days are really just like the daily grind of life. It is not glamorous over here. It's tons of like mundane moments, packing lunches and kind of like school, like today we did school drop-offs and 
you know, we do a lot of school pickups and play dates, an occasional date night, <laughs> which we need to be better about, but it's really just a lot of family time. We are big homebodies and we love any opportunity we get to just grab takeout and have a family movie night at home. So nothing too exciting, but lots of family time. How many kiddos do you have now? We have two. We have a seven and a half year old son. His name's Grayson. And we have a two and a half year old daughter named Grady. Yes. And they're both the perfect models for this clothing we're going to talk about or this online children's boutique that we're going to talk about today. Um, but I kind of want to go you. back because your your journey as an entrepreneur has evolved quite a bit over the years. And I have been fortunate enough to have a front row seat for all of it. So um, I'm laughing because I was going to like ask Courtney as part of this interview, you know, to share with you guys how we met. And when we hopped on the <laughs> thing before we hit record, Courtney was like, can you remind me how we met? <laughs> so I'm glad that I left a lasting imprint on you, Courtney. But now that I've reminded you, do you want to share how we met? <laughs> I think that our um, friendship and business relationship has honestly just like blossomed. That sounds funny, but or cheesy, but I just feel like we've grown so much in our friendship and it's been yeah. so many years now that it's honestly, you know, it's like hard to remember all way back then, but, um, you were hosting a mastermind and I honestly have no idea how I found out about it online, but I applied for it and joined and was accepted and it was so helpful. So I would say if you are trying to open a business or start a business and become an entrepreneur, definitely try to get plugged in with a mastermind and like-minded, um, people that are doing the same thing. Cause it is super helpful to just kind of yo-yo back and forth ideas off of one another and get that community. Yeah. You know, I had to jog my memory a bit as I was preparing for this interview on on our background together and how we got connected and so involved in each other's businesses. And I was thinking about that mastermind. So I haven't done this mastermind in three plus years because I stopped it when I had Maya. Um, but really that was such a catalyst for myself and my business. And I think I think most of the girls that were in that group would probably say the same thing, but we had like somebody representing like every different industry, right? Like Courtney, you yeah. at the time were the photographer. I was the designer. I think we had an attorney in there. We had a CPA in there. Um, so many. We had a copywriting. That's right. A copywriter, yeah. Stacey. Um, and we all just like really relied on everybody else's expertise. I mean, I ended up hiring the copywriter. A lot of them ended up hiring me as their designer. Um, I still to this day use the same CPA that was in that group five years ago. Um, so like when you said, like, I, you cannot undervalue a small intimate group of people of like different industry expertises that can like help you for free um, right. to, to grow your your brand and, and kind of provide insight in the areas that maybe you don't know as well as your own industry. Absolutely. And I really feel like when you have, you're going to have days where you feel kind of like down and you have this like imposter syndrome or you're like doubting yourself or whatever it may be. And like that community of people are like the people that bring you up and cheer you on and keep you going and being mm -hmm. like, I can do this. I can grow this business. Like I'm not alone. There's so many other people doing the same thing that can help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When we were, um, 
when we were in our mastermind, Courtney, I mentioned you are a photographer. So let's talk a little bit about that because we're not talking about photography in, in this episode. We're talking about a different business that you've started. But I think that that journey um, kind of led you to where you are now. So can you share a bit about the evolution of Courtney Garrett Photo and how you built a six-figure photography business in a couple of short years? Yes. So I am still to this day, a full-time portrait and wedding photographer. Um, but back many years ago, um, I was working a corporate job and I was determined to leave the corporate world of ladder climbing to spend more time at home with our son, Grayson, who at the time was almost a year old. I bought a camera off of Craigslist and taught myself how to use it based solely off of YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do that. Um, but at the same time, um, I had a lot to learn. Um, I created a website myself at the time and it was horrible, <laughs> but I had no idea what I was doing. And I started booking sessions for super, super cheap and sometimes even free. But over time, I raised my prices little by little, focused on the quality of my work and like growing my brand, investing in myself and doing courses to learn better about photography and my business. Um, and exactly one year after I bought my camera, I was able to quit my corporate job and take on photography full time, which was such a blessing. Um, but within a year of doing photography full time, I had already doubled my corporate salary. And within my second year, I had grown to have a six figure photography business. But I have continued to do this for seven years now. Yeah. <laughs> and time is flying. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being just so amazed by you because honestly, guys, seven years ago, or we'll say five years ago, because that's kind of when we were in this mastermind group, but to have a six-figure photography business as you were maybe at the time, like a one-woman show with like a couple part-time people working with you, yeah. that was a really big deal. I know, I mean, it, it no matter what, what stage and season of life you're in, to make $100,000 is a really big deal and something to be really proud of. But um, five years ago, it was not quite as common as we see, you know, like it is on Online today with all these influencers um, and the, the extra cash flow that we can get through different revenue streams now. But um, yeah, I, I remember just being like so fascinated by your own experience and like really inspired by your journey because you had Grayson several years before I had Maya. And I remember seeing, okay, like it can be done. You can have young children home with you. You can be in the baby bearing years and yeah. still scale a profitable brand. And that's really like why I, I felt that you needed to be a part of our mastermind because I, I just felt there was so much I could learn from you as kind of one of the first mompreneurs that I followed. Yes, yeah. And I feel like that's really how we like, connected well too is that we were both like aspiring entrepreneurs and then we were walking into this space like season of life of motherhood mm -hmm. right um but i think with any business that you're trying to run or start um it's really about determination and how hard you want to work for it and i think that's really just what helped me quit my job like i was determined to do whatever it took to be able to be home with my son Mm-hmm. I love that. So you are still running your photography business, but you've also launched a second business in a totally different category. So <laughs> I want to know, like, where did this idea to start an online children's boutique, where did it come from? 
So after our second child was born, that's Grady. She's now two and a half. Um, I had this desire to create a business that allowed even more flexibility and time with my kids. So that, that really was like the determination I had with my photography business too, like leave the corporate world, be home with my son. And um, <laughs> that was kind of the same drive for Peace Sprout. Um, but photography is a career that is often worked on nights and weekends. And I didn't fully grasp that idea um, mm-hmm. and what exactly that would look like when I first started uh, my photography business. But it means a lot of time away when your family is together at home. So mm-hmm. when the kids come home from school and it's time for dinner, I'm leaving to do a photo shoot. Or on a Saturday when my husband's home from work and the kids are home from school, I'm leaving to go do a wedding for 10 to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like, always, always too dreamed of someday owning my own children's brand. And that's just something I have loved my entire life. Children, nannying, babysitting, like I wanted to be a mom that was like ultimate and goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just always dreamed of owning my own children's brand. And I could not get the idea of Peace Sprout out of my head. And you had Grady uh, several years after Grayson. Are they about four or five years apart? Yeah, they're five years and one month apart to the day. So I'm a mom of girls. I know how hard it is to save money when you have little girls because everything is so cute. The bows, <laughs> the dresses, like just the accessories. It's so fun having a little girl. Was that at all, was you having a little girl after having a son for, for five years, was that at all um, a bit of the catalyst that you needed to to, to dive headfirst into this idea? I think so, because really having Grady, having a girl, it's totally different than having a boy. And at like it was since they are five years apart, I felt like I was like doing the newborn phase of life all over again. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to buy like, you know, there's so many different brands of things, like new baby toys and new teething toys and new, you know, different brands of clothes and bows and all the things. And I just was like surrounded by all this baby stuff. And I felt like every single day I had like more inspiration Mm -hmm. and I just like, (laughs) I just was like, I have to do it. Uh, Well, I have never sold physical products online. So I have a lot to learn from you today. I know that our listeners tuning in do too. So kind of just tell us like, what did it look like starting a children's brand and what did you do first? First and foremost, (laughs) I called you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Kidding, but not kidding. Um, Honestly, the very first thing that we did was we started writing out like potential names for our business. We doodled possible logo ideas. Like I still have the notebook that I saved to this day, Mm -hmm. um, writing out business ideas and things like that. Um, But we really started coming up with like what we wanted to sell and who we wanted to sell it to. I think that was like first and foremost, so important. And Mm -hmm. um, we immediately contacted you shortly after for help and your expertise because we knew it wasn't something we could do ourselves. And we are very aware that some things are best outsourced after having owned a photography business for so many years. I just knew I can't do both businesses. And there's certain things that I am not well equipped to do on my own. So we started building a brand and a website with your team and started doing a lot of research about e-commerce on our end because it was so new to us too, right? We had this dream and this idea of what we wanted to do, but 
we really didn't have an idea of how to do it. So it was a lot of long hours and late nights researching. Um, We began contacting manufacturers and wholesale vendors. We had to obtain a bunch of different licenses. And we just really started working on our marketing strategy for our launch. So I have a question about... When you were launching this second business of sorts, do you feel like your brand was partially successful at the beginning because of this audience that you had been building through your photography business for the last five years? Um, Or do you feel like you had to start all over again and launch a new business to a new audience? Because I know for me, I'm in the process of launching my second business with the Branding Business School, but it's in such a similar category that I feel like all the work I've done to build my audience and my expertise for the last five years at Brandwell is going to translate and like help get this business off the ground faster. But you launched a business in a totally different category. Right. So I would say both. (laughs) Um, I have a very loyal audience through photography that I absolutely love in return. And a lot of the same people that have become like friends and family from the Instagram community, which is so strong, um, have supported Peace Sprout so much from day one. They are some of the best photography clients and some of our very top Peace Sprout customers to this day. However, um, in reality, Peace Sprout would not still be running today without new customers. It is such a different business. Uh, we have worked really hard to grow our Peace Sprout community separately, and we are so proud of how far we have come. But We are incredibly grateful for each person that chooses to spend their hard-earned money in our shop. Um, And I just feel like, really, it's it's just a bunch of moms. And whether that be from my photography audience or new uh, customers that we reach, we just have a lot of people that are interested in baby and children's products that find our shop. Yeah. I know your husband, Chris, has played a pretty big role in helping you get Peace Sprout off the ground. He was involved in the the branding and the web design process when we worked together there. Did anything catch you guys by surprise or prove to be significantly harder than the two of you thought it would be when you were starting this? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, We have, I think our biggest challenge has been like in the very beginning, especially was ordering inventory and finding quality product. Yeah. Um, it's it's just been a struggle from day one, but we've learned so, so much. It just was way harder than we thought that it would be. Um, we really just thought, oh, we're going to find some cute brands online and order whatever we think will sell well. Um, but it's really important, like knowing exactly what your customers want, engaging how much you need of each product And it's just a lot tougher than we realize. There's a lot of analysis involved and we don't always get it right. We can't always predict buyer behavior, but we're definitely learning. And I would also say as of late, we are trying to handle, we were trying to handle marketing ourselves and we are now outsourcing and investing in an expert for that as well. Quick break to tell you guys about today's sponsor, which is HoneyBook. You guys know I love me some HoneyBook. This has been the CRM of Brandwell for three and a half years, almost from day one, you guys. And I don't know how we would be operating without it. So HoneyBook is a client flow platform that was designed specifically for the modern business owner. I think it's ideally made for the modern day service provider. 
from the initial inquiry to the final payment, you can literally do everything in HoneyBook. They manage our proposals, our contracts, our invoicing, our financial reports, and then most importantly, our client communication back and forth. Everything is streamlined in one place that I can log into and see where a project is at at any given time. All of my team can log in. You can give people different permissions and roles based on what their unique role is on the project at hand. It's just an awesome platform. Go check it out. I have a 50% off discount code for you if you want to try out HoneyBook your first year at 50% off. We'll link it in the show notes for you. Just try it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Courtney, I want to ask you something about um, kind of how this this brand, before you even took it to market, how it evolved um, behind the scenes a little bit. Because as we're, as we're talking, I'm reminded of that first conversation that we had when you told me the idea for Peace Brow. And we actually branded this beautiful, you know, brand suite that you have, your logos, mm-hmm. your colors and all of that. We did that for one singular product that you were going to take to market that you guys had invented. And I think we're working on the yeah. patent, but obviously that is not the route that you went when you actually launched Peace Sprout to the public. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So when we were dreaming up this idea of Peace Sprout and we really wanted to have like a baby and children's brand And like I said, we were really inspired by having a new baby in our home and being surrounded by all of these baby products. And we actually got this idea. I was like blow drying my hair one day in our bathroom and I like stopped mid blow dry. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have this idea for a product that we essentially started inventing. Um, It really was like a spinoff of other products, like traditional products that were out there. And it was a a baby's toy Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a multi-purpose toy, but we like invented a new design for this toy and we started reaching out to manufacturers. We, you know, we were, we had designed the product. We had worked with like prototyping and all the things that come along with um, designing and inventing a product. But really um, the, manufacturing of it was just becoming really difficult. So when we thought of this idea, it was in the middle of the pandemic and logistics were really hard at the time. So um, we were looking into manufacturing in China and as well as the US. And the the industry here with textiles, it's just very different in the US compared to China, as we know. And it was becoming really hard to do that here in the U.S. So we started looking overseas in different countries and it just was like getting harder and harder by the day because a lot of those factories were shutting down and they weren't, it was going to be months before things were shipping. We were learning a lot about the, the manufacturing process. And so it was different because I think building a brand around one singular product versus now having multiple vendors in our shop and carrying several different products. Like that looks totally different, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you decided after kind of going through this trial period of prototyping, creating a product, working with manufacturers, you did not want to manufacture your own products and you went this new route where you sourced inventory through different places and then branded it to your shop and your store. So Talk yep. a little bit about that. I, I've always been curious with people who own online be- boutiques, like how do you know how much inventory to order, especially when you're launching? Um, and then, you know, like how far in advance do you have to place orders? Like tell tell us how that process works. 
Yep. So ordering inventory has, like I said, been one of our greatest challenges. We have had a few marketing campaigns this year that kind of gave us a huge influx of orders. And as a new company, that makes it really hard, which is, it's great to have Mm -hmm. orders and sales, but it's really hard to keep up, um, especially your first year. But from the beginning, we were kind of trying to order just one season ahead um, because like I said, we shifted gears. So we went from, we were going to have this singular product that we invented to, we are now going to have a shop that carries all of these different vendors and brands. And we really had a very limited amount of time before we had the go and launch. Otherwise we were going to wait several more months to launch our store. And so we started ordering just one season ahead. So like in the summer we were ordering for fall in like Christmas season, essentially, but typically you're ordering, um, like an entire year ahead. So for Christmas, you're ordering those items in January of that year. Um, normally you're ordering several seasons ahead at least. Um, but we do, there are definitely times where we're placing orders later or doing like product reorders for things that are still in season currently. And we're restocking Mm -hmm. some of our year round bestsellers as well, but it is hard to gauge (laughs) how much you need of things and what things are going to sell best and, and all of that. So We really take a deep dive, like after the first several months of having our shop open, we took a deep dive into analytics and reporting to see like what is selling best in our shop and how much we need to order those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you first launched, it is a little bit of a stab in the dark, right? Like, did you do any sort of a pre-sale or like polls on Instagram or anything to gauge about how much you would need to start out? We really didn't. So now like... I would say several months in, we started doing those things. We started doing polls and like Q and A's and asking for feedback and those sort of really leveraging like our Instagram community. But in the very beginning, we made this announcement, like we are launching this shop and we really, at the time we're like, we're just going to go with what we feel like we want our brand to represent and the products that we want to have in it. And we will, and I would say that was probably I hate to admit it, but it was probably one of our biggest mistakes Hmm. is just taking a shot in the dark and ordering all of this stuff without knowing exactly what was going to sell. And, and I going back, I'm not sure what I would have done differently other than maybe trying to do more market research on our audience. Like you said, like the polls and stuff that we started doing later, maybe had we done that before it would have saved us. Um, the heartache and trouble of all of this inventory that we had left over in the very beginning. And, and it was stuff, we had some stuff that we ordered that we were like, we're not even putting that on our site. We're not even selling that because we don't like it. Um, And so it's hard, I think in the very beginning to really know what exactly is going to sell well and what your customers are after, but I think that's where it, it really is important knowing your audience and knowing what they want and how much they're going to spend and things that they're going to pull the trigger on, right? Yeah. So what did you do or what do you do currently when you you buy stuff thinking it's going to do great and then it just sits in the shop and it doesn't sell? What do you do with all the inventory? So a lot of that stuff, we do like markdowns, we do seasonal sales, um, mm-hmm. we have like some items we sell really well of, but maybe we only have one or two uh, left of those products, mm-hmm. those in our sales section. 
Um, but some stuff we just donate. We're like, this is, this is a loss for us. This mm-hmm. is something that didn't sell well. Or like I said, there's some things that we don't even put on our website mm-hmm. because we don't like the quality of the product. And so, yeah, a lot of those things we just donate, we give to friends, you know, yeah. um, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the hard. I imagine there's a lot of things that are hard about scaling an online boutique and sourcing all these different products from different vendors and stuff. But now I want to kind of shift gears and talk about what has worked for you because your business has done well. And it's been really cool to watch as, you know, somebody who helped design the brand and the website. And then, you know, there's like nothing more rewarding than to watch that brand go on to do massive things and just to like make a huge impact and, and see their growth. So why don't you share, um, what do you think is working? Like, what do you think you've done right in the way of marketing or sales or inventory sourcing, things like that? Um, so I would say from the very beginning, um, the thing that we have done best and like my, I was talking to my husband about this yesterday and we are 100% on the same page with this is that our branding, <laughs> thanks to Brandwell, um, <laughs> shout out. Um, but really our branding, honestly, leveraging, um, our brand and our logos and just, my creative background as well to keep things cohesive across our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, we use our branding with social media marketing and, you know, email campaigns and even just like in the emails that we send to our customers, all of our communication is, is cohesive. And I think that that's super important, but our branding is definitely the number one thing that has helped us. I would say, um, I think also identifying a core audience not necessarily from day one, but we did know what our audience was from day one, but I think really taking notes on who our customers are and what their their buying behavior is has really helped us over the past few months. Once we really started to hone into that a little bit more, we've seen so much growth. So I think that's a huge thing for us. Um, and then for us personally, I would say we give the glory to God every single day and we have witnessed his blessings on our family and our business and time and time again, we wouldn't be where we are today without God being at the forefront of every decision. I love that, Courtney. Just boldly proclaim it, girl. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that's who we are. And and I think that it's just made a big impact on our business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that you talked about that I would like to elaborate on is uh, getting to know your customer. Because you know this is the theme of season six of the Branding Business School podcast. It's a huge theme of what we're going to be talking about when the Branding Business School course opens this fall. So I can't overstate the impact that knowing your customer will have on your business and your ability to scale. How do you think you and Chris um, have done that well? Like you kind of touched on that, but like what specifically do you do to get to know your customer? And then um, I wanted to ask you what like big pivots have you guys made based on what you have found out about your audience? Okay, I wanna take a quick second to interrupt this incredible podcast 
and tell you about the tool that has been so transformative in my business. HoneyBook is the CRM that we have been using at Brandwell for the last three years. And this has really been probably one of the number one things we get complimented on by our past clients. We're always getting told, wow, you guys are so organized. I love the way the process was so streamlined. This has been the way that we show up confident beyond just our website, beyond just our social media presence. HoneyBook has allowed us to maintain our branding and to maintain our professionalism through our contracts, through our proposals, through our invoices. HoneyBook is really created for the modern day service-based business owners. So if you fall in that category, I would just highly recommend that you check it out. Right now, I have a 50% off discount code. Um, I will link it in the show notes for you, or you can go to share.honeybook.com slash brandwell. 50% is the highest discount code you will find for this platform. So grab the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so we have really, really, take with taking our audience into consideration, consideration and their buying behavior, we have refined the number and types of products in our store to better align with our target audience needs. Um, we have definitely seen that a lot of like really, really, really expensive high-end items don't do super great in our store. Um, but we also want really quality products that are ethically made that we love as well. Um, and so we have found that we really are customers love like a good quality, middle of the road, super cute, affordable product, right? So we're not talking like Target or Walmart products, but you know, we're not talking about a hundred dollar dress for a little girl that is like my daughter is going to ruin it probably in a couple of weeks with paint from school or stains or whatever. And so um, we're really just refining the types of products that we carry in our shop and the number of items that we have. We have been able to really like zone in on that a little bit just from like research and development and just really seeing like what people are adding to their cart, what they're abandoning their carts with, what are they purchasing and our our return customers what do they come back and buy in our store over and over and over again those are the things like our top products that sell like those are the things that we're going to keep ordering um and so it i think it's really just been a lot <laughs> of research and time like i think over time you just every month every week you get more insight into your business and so that's just something we've really been um paying attention to um but right now we are actually working on a few of our own brand products specifically for peace route that we are designing ourselves and in doing so we're really taking our audience into consideration when creating these i mean i feel like we have to <laughs> it's crucial to get this part mm-hmm. right that's so exciting that you guys are going to develop your own products now. Yes. Kind of coming full circle from where you yeah. started. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, Courtney, you're a mom, and I know that you have kind of invited your kids in on this journey of building Peace Sprout. So tell me a little bit about like Grayson and Grady's roles uh, with this new business. Yeah, so they're often our Peace Sprout models for mm-hmm. photo shoots and try-ons. And they absolutely love it. We would never have them do it if it was something that they were not interested in doing or didn't want to be a part of. Grayson, our seven-year-old son, has been a huge help with fulfillment by he'll like occasionally put 
thank you notes and orders or put stickers on packages. He loves to be involved. And when we first launched Peace Sprout, he told us he had this idea. One day we were in the car on the way home from school and he was like, Peace Sprout needs to have a cake made for our launch. Like we need to celebrate. And so when we did launch, we surprised him that day after school with a Peace Sprout cake for our launch date. And we celebrated as a family that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will forever go down as one of my favorite days, but he just, he has this idea too, to like have t-shirts, like company t-shirts made for all of us. And he just, he loves to be a part of it. He loves having a family business. And Grady loves to add Peace Sprout products to her closet just as much as I do. (laughs) Um, She gets excited every time we have new arrivals come in. And a lot of times she squeals like when she sees them and she's like, for me, thank you, mommy. Oh my gosh. She is a trip girl. (laughs) I love watching your stories just for Grady. She's just the perfect little walking model for your brand. Oh my gosh. She is so sweet, but we, we play dress up and do a lot of try ons, but I would just say overall, like our kids are our biggest cheerleaders and we're so thankful that we get to do it together as a family. All right. Well, on the same note, I always love to ask moms any advice that they're willing to share on scaling a company while having young children home with them. That is my season right now. Um, I know it's a lot of our listeners' season too. So the more we can kind of rally together and share what's working for us, the more support I think we'll feel like we have. Yeah. Um, It takes a village. (laughs) Uh, I think um, just like we said with like the mastermind, right? Like having a community is just so important, but for us, we are a small family business and everybody pitches in. Um, we have some like employees that help us occasionally too, but my mom, my dad, my grandma, like Chris, my husband, the kids, we are just really thankful to have family that help us. And, especially with packaging and fulfillment. That's a big part of it. Um, But something that I have found that works best for me each day is getting up early before the kids each morning. I feel like you are a walking example of this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I get my coffee and quiet time in. I read my Bible. I check my emails. And I really just like make a plan for the day and prioritize my time before anybody else wakes up. I live by the notes app in my phone and I would be completely lost without it. Do you have anything like that that you use? Yeah. Well, I use, I can't even say it, but Siri, I use Siri. (laughs) Um, I use Siri for everything, for all of my reminders. James, it was funny. He was, I had said something like, Hey, you know, what's your name? Uh, Remind me at 3 PM to leave for school to pick up Maya or whatever. Um, And literally she's just like my own little personal assistant that I don't have to pay. I guess I pay mobile, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of my version. I actually do use my notes app a lot too, though. I use it on my computer as my to-do list. If I don't have like my planner out next to me, then I just like erase every line as I do it. Cause I love just the productivity that comes from scratching something off a to-do list. Yes. I use the notes app in my phone and on my computer. And I love that they like reflect one another. So I can be, I actually do use uh, the phone too for reminders and I have it type in my notes, you know, I just, I love that it all updates and it just kind of keeps me on track. But um, time blocking is also something that's been really helpful. But to be honest, it's really just a lot (laughs) of nights that we work when the kids go to bed. And 
it's tough, but it's just a season of being an entrepreneur and running a business while having little kids. Um, I think to grow a business and be successful, sometimes it just takes putting in extra hours late at night or early mornings. Uh, And then this is going to (laughs) be really sounding silly, but um, I once heard someone say that the apartment buildings in New York City with their lights on before 6 a.m. were usually successful people. And that's probably a stretch. (laughs) But something about that like really hit home with me. And I think about it all the time. Like, you know, there are people even like you, I think about you all the time. You've been such an inspiration to me and my business. But like sometimes you have to get up early and you have to put in the extra work to grow. And whether that be like in your faith, your health, your family, your business, sometimes you have to just put in the extra work and some seasons are harder than others. Preach. I could not agree more with everything that you just shared. (laughs) Um, That's very much my season right now too. Yeah. Like, do I want to wake up at 515, 530? No, I'm actually really not that much of a morning person. I would love to, you know, hit my snooze until 730. But the reality is my kids wake up at 630. And if I need an hour, even just to like center my mind or to get through a few emails before we start the day, then um, you just have to find the time to do it. It's not that we don't have the time. Um, We just have to prioritize different things in order to help us reach our goals. So I love that you shared that. Um, Courtney, one question that I love to ask is how have you leveraged the power of branding to scale your business? Gosh, um, (laughs) branding truly is so powerful. We use it, like I said, in all of our marketing and all of our communication to our customers. But I think the power of branding has also allowed us to make our small business more professional which we believe has truly instilled confidence in our customers to shop with us. And without customers trusting our brand, our sales wouldn't be growing. Mm. Yeah. I think you guys have done such a great job. There's something that is so rewarding to a a design agency or, or even to the specific designer. So Libby was your designer. Um, We love to see after we've delivered a brand, we love to see it being implemented um, the way that it was intended. And that's obviously why we provide the style guides and the training that we do. But it has been so thrilling to us at Brandwell to watch Peace Sprout grow and just to see the way that you've translated that brand into social graphics that you share. I have bought so many things off of those dang Instagram story <laughs> graphics that you share, Courtney, but that, yeah. that just shows that they're working, they're effective, and your brand is what it is because you have honored it. Um, and I think that you've just done such an incredible job maintaining um, the integrity of the the design assets that we delivered for Peace Sprout a couple of years ago. So. Um, I have loved being a part of your customer base. Everything that we've bought from Peace Sprout is like such high quality, the most adorable clothes for my girls. So for anyone (laughs) listening that either wants to just go follow you um, or if they want to shop Peace Sprout, where can they go? Yes. So we are on Instagram and Facebook at Peace Sprout Kids. And we are online at www.peacesproutkids.com. Peace for kids. Okay. Well, we will link it all in the show notes. Courtney, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you for shopping with our business and for all of the branding you have provided our business as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks for tuning in to the Branding Business School podcast. If you're looking to take your business to the next level, subscribe to the podcast and we'll continue to cheer you on week after week by giving you practical advice on how to build your brand. For show notes or to learn more about what we covered in today's episode, head to thebrandingbusinessschool.com slash podcast. And remember, you don't need an MBA to be the CEO.